Thanks, Pastor Simon. And uh, good morning, Grace City. Thank you guys so much for coming this morning. And as uh, Pastor Simon said, my name is John Williamson. And yeah, I'm here with my wife, Kaylee, uh, and two little boys, uh, Jace, age five, and Dane, age two and a half, are downstairs at Kids you right now. Um, and so they're, uh, they're a lot of fun. But yeah, really thank you guys so much for coming this morning. And I hope you guys are having a good morning. And if you're a guest here, welcome. We're super happy to have you uh, with us. My, uh, my two little boys are, they're very different. They have very different personalities. And the processes that it's taken for, for me and Kaylee to, to parent them and to grow them uh, and to mature them in different ways, the processes for each boy has looked very different. <laughs> Makes it very challenging as a parent. Um, but uh, the, each, each, each of their processes has looked very different. And one of the ways that this has really played itself out was in this idea of self-soothing. And I don't know if you're, if you're, a, if you're a parent, you know what self-soothing is. Before I was married, I had no idea what that meant. Basically what that means is that if your child can self-soothe, they can actually sleep through the entire night. <laughs> self-soothing is kind of the holy grail for like young parents. If you can get your kid to self-soothe and you can get a full night's rest because even if they wake up in the middle of the night, they are able to put themselves back to sleep, you got it. Like you made it. <laughs> so, uh, and there are different methods that, that kids use to self-soothe. One of them is like a, just like a pacifier. Another one is uh, like a, my oldest boy, he used a, a, a wubbinub, which is like a pacifier attached to a little stuffed animal. That you can use like a, a lovey, like a little blanket or a stuffed animal. And lots of times though, they just use their thumb. And so for a lot of kids, that's where thumb sucking starts is, uh, it's a method of, of self-soothing. And for my oldest son, Jace, the process then of weaning him off of that method of self-soothing was pretty straightforward. Basically, we just started cutting off the pacifier gradually over time, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> he doesn't have a pacifier left. He didn't even realize it. And uh, it was just a, it was a very easy thing to get him off of that uh, very easy process. But for my youngest son, Dane, it was a totally different, whew, it has been quite the arduous um, process to try and get him off of uh, off of his method of self-soothing, which is sucking his thumb. And, you know, they came up like, we were happy because he was sleeping through the night, but eventually came to the point, okay, Dan, you gotta stop sucking your thumb, but like, it's gonna mess up your teeth and all that. And, uh, and so initially my strategy was like, okay, I'm just gonna tell him to stop sucking his thumb and like, see how that goes. So we did that. <laughs> and that obviously did not work very well. It was very ineffective. Uh, and then I was like, all right, so let's just, let's put a sock on his hand and see if that works. And that also was highly ineffective. He just ripped it off and chucked it across the room, and, and that was it. <laughs> and uh, and then we tried the next. The next strategy was, okay, I'm gonna put one of my socks, like one of my long socks, put it all the way up on his arm, up over his shoulder, and then I'm gonna put a long sleeve shirt over the top of that to kind of like lock it in. And this is brutal, you guys. This is brutal because it was in the middle of the summer, so it's like 9800 degree heat. We had no AC in our house during the time, and he's sleeping with just like two layers on, like full, fully clothed. <laughs> a little bad, but like, he survived. He still, he still did this. What we found out soon was that he uh, it worked for a little while, actually, but then we soon figured out that he was enlisting the help of his older brother to like pull off this whole shirt sock ensemble and just pull it up over his, over his head. So that like the rest of the night, he was just, he was just shirtless and he had uh, free access to his thumb. So that stopped working as well. And I've tried a couple of other little things and. Um, basically where Dane and I are at right now is just a complete stalemate. And uh, I know he's just like staring at me, just like, 
like, where are you going to throw me next? You know, like, I know that's what he's thinking. And <laughs> I'm just like, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm going to do next. Um, but uh, it's funny, though. It's like, through all of that, through, like, the frustration and the little mini successes and, like, everything in between, what's happening between me and Dane is that our relationship is growing. As we go through all these things together, our relationship is growing. He is understanding more of like who I am, I'm understanding more of, how, of who he is. And it's fascinating because our relationship with God works the exact same way. The more that we go through the different situations and challenges and distressful things in our life, the more that we walk those things out, God uses those situations and those processes to, to grow us and mature us in specific ways that we need to be grown and matured in. And if we choose to do that with him, he grows our relationship with him in the process. So God uses the processes that we go through in, in our life to grow our relationship with him. And so with that, we're going to now continue our uh, the sermon series that Pastor Simon started this last week, which is called Jesus is Lord. And I'm going to be looking, uh, talking specifically about this idea that Jesus is Lord of the process. Jesus is Lord of the process. And I'm defining process as being basically that middle ground, the middle space between where you have started something and when, where you finish something. Where something has been, began or initiated, the work has begun, up until that, you, it, that work comes to completion or finish or fulfillment or resolution or that kind of thing. It's that middle ground, it's that middle space. A process could be, it could be a big thing, like you start a degree program, like you're making this big commitment for four years to try and get a degree, and that four years is the process. It could also be like a, a big project at work you just started to undertake, and, and it's, it's like a multi-month thing, and that could be a process as well. But more often than not, it's a small thing. It's like a thing that we might experience on a daily basis. Like, it could just be like, hey, I've got a couple hours, I'm home with the kids, and <laughs> I got this couple hours where, you know, we have to play with them or do something with them, you know, for, for these next couple hours. Like, that is the process. All of that stuff falls under the umbrella of the process. It is a place of, is a place of uh, oftentimes tension. Is it a place of ups and downs and twists and turns and things that happen unexpectedly? Um, all kinds of challenges and things that we, that we weren't expecting. Um, but all of these, all these fall under this like umbrella of what is the process. I want to learn to love the process more. I want to learn to love the process more. Because when I look at my life, <laughs> look at my mind, I do not love the process at all. <laughs> I like starting something and I like finishing something. <laughs> and everything in between, that is not generally, I don't see that as fun or, or a good time. I, I, <laughs> you look at my, my, my headspace, I'm thinking about, Oh man, because when you start something, it's fresh, it's new, it's exciting, it's like so filled with so much like hope and potential and all that. Or when you're you're finishing something up and you're like, oh my gosh, this thing is finally done. It's finally I finally got through it, or I'm finally this is finally over with, or it's finally completed. And I'm just like thinking about all the time it just getting done with and me just getting through this. And so my mind, so much of the time, is just fixed on one of these two endpoints. But God is intimately, <laughs> intimately involved and cares about. This is what he cares about is the process. He's fixed on the process. Uh, because not only is it through the process that our relationship, or not only is, is in the process our uh, maturity growing as a result, 
but also our relationship with him is growing as well. So in light of that, we're going to take a look at, at the uh, passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning. And it is um, it's in the book of Acts. If you got your Bible, go ahead and pull that out. Uh, and I'm going to have the passage on the screen behind me as well. This is going to be um, uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. So super easy to remember. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And just to set this thing up, the book of Acts is written by this guy named Luke. Luke was a companion of Paul, and Paul was an early mission, one of the early Christian missionaries, preeminent Christian missionaries in the early church. And why Luke wrote the book of, of Acts is he's meticulously recording how the early church, how it got started, how it was birthed, and that how it grew from its early stages. And he's writing to this guy named Theophilus. Theophilus was this really wealthy dude who, who had just become a Christian. And he's talking to Luke and he's saying, hey, Luke, you're a super smart guy because Luke was actually like a, a physician or a doctor by trade. He's like, you're a smart guy. Can you just go and just record everything that is happening right now and just meticulously write it down and then present it back to me? And so this is the book of Acts. And so uh, let's go ahead and, and take a look here at what, um, what, what Luke has to say to Theophilus. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait, but wait. For the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this is what Jesus is saying here. He is, Jesus is kind of giving some of his final instructions to the disciples. Uh, he's saying, essentially, hey, look, guys, you've been with me for the previous three plus years. You now know fully who I am, Son of God, God in human flesh. And like why I'm here, like to come to rescue him and redeem the entire world. <laughs> you know, who I am, why I'm here, and what my mission is, which has now become your mission, which is to go and make disciples, go and make followers of Jesus among all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And go and make my name and my love known all the way around the world. And this is uh the, the disciples now have their final marching orders from Jesus. And uh, it's fascinating because instead of saying, Jesus is saying, hey, you got the info, now go do all that stuff. What does Jesus say? He says to, <laughs> he says to come into my, my alignment with my process <laughs> for how this thing is supposed to get up and going. Okay? Let your plans, your processes, your thoughts, your timeline come into alignment with my process and my timeline for how this is going to all happen, which at this point involves waiting. Which at this point involves just wait. And what Jesus is doing here is from the very foundation, the very genesis of the church. He's saying, guys, this is the right way to do this thing is by waiting on my, coming into alignment with my process for you. And essentially, he's saying, learn to love my process. Learn to love the process. Trust and believe that I'm the Lord of your process. Instead of just allowing, again, our presuppositions and assumptions for how things are supposed to go down, 
um, to us lead that in how we, we walk this thing out. Jesus saying, trust me, trust in my process. This entire past year, as, as Pastor Simon said, uh, my wife and I and our two little boys were in uh, Edinburgh, Scotland for the entire year. And I did a 12 month master's program in business analytics at the University of Edinburgh. And it was just, uh, it was an amazing time for us as a family, like just so fun going to experience a new culture and country and for us all to do that together as a family is awesome. And I was a part of a cohort with 40 other students. These are 40, this, this group of students was the most international, the most diverse group of people I've ever um, been around. It was just amazing. They were from um, over 20 different countries and I was one of only four native English speakers in the entire class. So everybody else, English was a second, third, fourth language to them. So just so cool. And that was great, but I soon found out heading into this master's degree that like, oh man, doing grad school with a family is really hard. <laughs> it's really hard. And this all kind of came to a head about the midpoint of the first semester uh, that I was over there. And, you know, I, uh, I really kind of hit a low point personally. It's where I've been working on this assignment for the last couple of weeks. And I only had a couple of days left of this thing was due. And it just all of a sudden hit me in a moment. Oh my gosh, this is not going to happen. <laughs> I'm not going to get this thing done, not even close. And this all just hit at once and I could just feel in the moment my like stress level just raising to the roof and like kind of panic internally set. And I don't know if you guys have ever been at that point where you've been like working on something and all of a sudden you realize this is not going to happen and you're just like, yeah, I can go ahead and start panicking right about now. <laughs> it's like this moment, <laughs> that was this moment for me. And uh, you know, as all this was happening internally, I was sitting at my desk and I just felt the Holy Spirit gently kind of nudge me, be like, hey, John, buddy, <laughs> slow down. <laughs> it's like, hey, you've, uh, you've been here before, you've been here before, like you've been in this kind of situation before. You know the road that this, this leads down, you stressing, you freaking out, you panicking, you know where that leads, and the mess and all that that, 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 that can create. Uh, or you can choose to really press into me right now in this moment, and believe that this too is a part of my process for you. Believe that this too, this, this challenge, everything you're going through, this is part of my process for you. You can ch choose to trust and believe that right now. So, I decided to get up from my desk, get away from that, and go on a prayer walk. And I just, uh, I just started processing everything with Jesus and just venting all of my frustration and internal angst and all this stuff going on. And uh, I don't know if you ever had one of those like vent prayer sessions with Jesus. You just like, you go on a walk with him and it's just you just venting. <laughs> just, just everything inside just coming out. Uh, this is definitely that for me. And came a point on that, on that prayer walk where I just, I heard the, the Holy Spirit speak to me loud and clear. He said, John, he said, go home, spend the evening with your family and don't worry. Go home, spend the evening with your family, and don't worry. And I said, you sure? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yeah. So I went home, had dinner with my family, played with my boys, put them to bed, and I went to bed. Next morning, woke up, went to class, and my professor moved the, dead, the due date for that assignment back another week. I ended up having plenty of time to get the thing done. And through that, <laughs> my distrust and my natural kind of knee-jerk in the moment re 
desire, <laughs> proclivity to, to react, to worry, to stress, to freak out, my distrust for that reaction increased and my desire to learn to love the process, love Jesus' process for my life, however that looks, however unexpected it might look, grew. Now, all of us, <laughs> all of us would love to be able to handle just any sort of situation like that, just all the time. Just like any sort of like difficult, you know, stressful situation. We're just like, hey, bring it. I got this. I've got the love of Jesus. I'm like, I can be perfectly content in all of the tips. All of us would love to be able to do this, like myself included. The question is, how do we do this? How do we actually learn to love the process more? We do that by going and taking a look at, uh, at the passage we just looked at, which is in the book of Acts. So uh, we read that passage as well as the rest of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2, and we see what did the disciples do after Jesus gave his instructions to his, to his disciples. And what they did can be basically boiled down to two, two things. Number one, they slowed down, and number two, they spent time with him. They slowed down, and they spent time with him. They also, saw, they also hung out with one another, absolutely. But essentially, they just slowed down and they spent time with him. And that was the key to them learning to love the process for Jesus more, from Jesus more. Now, it's really hard to do that. It's easy to say, just slow down and spend time with Jesus. It is very hard to actually do that. Because uh, if you're like me, if you're probably most of us, in, like most of us in this room, I mean, your schedule is packed. You do not have a, a ton of extra time to just slow down and spend, spend time with Jesus. You don't, and then as we're going about our, our daily tasks, like our minds are consumed throughout the day with those tasks. Well, like all kinds of other thoughts and like ideas and things going on, our, our minds are completely packed and consumed with all kinds of different things all the time. And if we're going to be totally honest, for probably most of us here, like Jesus and God and all that is somewhere on the back burner pretty much all the time. And so the idea of actually slowing down and spending time with Jesus is uh, it's a, it's a very hard thing to do. But this is what the disciples chose to do in light of Jesus' instructions to them. They slow down and spend time with him. This is, uh, guys, this is the Mandalorian. This is the way. <laughs> this, is, this is the way. <laughs> before, this last, uh, before this last year, we were in Scotland. And uh, before that, uh, as, as Pastor Simon said, we, uh, my wife and I were the campus directors of our sending church down in Corvallis, called Grace City Corvallis. And we were the campus directors, we led the campus ministry there for four years. And one of the main things that we wanted to instill in the students that we were discipling was exactly what I've, what I've been talking about this morning. We wanted to teach them to learn to love Jesus' process for them more, however that might look. My book, and she to see that as opportunities to grow and mature, but more importantly, to grow in their relationship with Him. So, one of the main ways that we we wanted to really instill that in our students is, uh, like, practically, is we would take them periodically out on retreats, because retreats are a fantastic way to uh, slow down and spend time with Him. And the last retreat that we took our students on it was uh, during spring term, and it was the Saturday before finals week. Now. Saturday before finals week, <laughs> the final week where all of you, you, all the final exams take place, is uh, 
Like if you're on campus, like you know, like that is the most stressful time of the entire term, the entire quarter. Like you can just feel like the, the, the stress and the worry and the panic like in the air. Like it's just like, it's dense with it. And, um, and so what we told our students, we're like, hey, you guys, this is a really amazing opportunity. We're like, this is, yes, this is absolutely a high stress, high tension environment, but you're also standing on an unbelievable place of faith right now. Like your faith level is as high probably as it has been the entire, uh, the entire term at this point. So guys, let's just go out and let's take a, let's take a few hours out of our Saturday and let's just spend time with Jesus and see if he has something to say to us while we're really standing in this place of amazing faith. See if he has something to say. And so what we did is we took 25 OSU students out to, uh, it's called Mount Angel Abbey. And Mount Angel Abbey is in the town of Mount Angel, which is east of Salem. And it's this old Catholic Benedictine monastery. It's super old, super cool. And uh, there's just like monks, like, like legit monks walking around. Like before this point, I was like, <laughs> I'd never seen a monk before in my entire life. And then <laughs> there's monks there. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> and uh, I said, all right guys, like a couple hours, let's, uh, let's spend time with Jesus. At the end of it, we had a beaver session. And student after student after student shared testimony after testimony after testimony of God, the Holy Spirit, just showing up. Just showing up. And filling them with his love, his encouragement, his affirmation of them, his reminder of them of just like he sees everything that they're going through internally right now. And just filling them with a fresh revelation of his love for them. And uh, even speaking them directly, like words, like speaking to them directly to like things to uh, right at the core of like of their soul, of like who they are, like things that things that like no person would know, only them and God like would know what's really going on inside of there. And the Holy Spirit was speaking to them words directly to those things. It was an amazing thing to see. And you know, all these students were like a lot of them were tearing up, crying, like all that stuff. It was just amazing to see how the Holy Spirit just just uh, just showed up um, in that moment. And you can just imagine like. Like, God the Father, like, in heaven, just looking down, like, these are his, like, sons and daughters. Like, these are his kids. And, like, really, <laughs> you can just imagine how pleased and proud, like, the Father is, like, in this moment. Like, saying, like, son, daughter, like, yes, you get it. Like, you actually get it. You are, like, you're trusting me right now. You're trusting me more than your immediate circumstances. You're actually believing that I am more important. That, like, spending time with me is, like, more important than even, like, your classes and, like, and your work and, like, all of, like that. That is an incredible act of faith. And you can just imagine how proud the father was of his kids in that moment and just how, how willing he was, how pleased he was to lavish them with his grace and pour out his spirit on them and fill them like fill them afresh with just even a even a little taste of his overwhelming love for them. It was just an amazing thing to be able to see and to witness and to be a part of that. And to watch as a result of that, their relationship. Those students who went on that retreat, their relationship with their Heavenly Father grew. It was awesome. Now, for most of us here in this room, going and taking a retreat like that, you know, at least regularly, is not realistic. Like, we don't have that kind of time. Uh, it is nice to be able to, like, go, like, you schedule that kind of thing out for a while, and then, like, you go and take a few hours and just distraction-free, just go and spend time with Jesus. I think that's definitely a good thing to do. But what slowing down and spending time with Jesus looks like is much more of a uh, kind of a regular thing that happens every single day. It could look like, you know, you literally have 15 minutes during your lunch break 
you're like, Jesus, I just gotta, I just gotta spend this time with you. And so you go on a prayer walk. You put in your headphones and you go on a prayer walk and you talk to Jesus about everything that's going on in your head, in your life, in that morning, like up to that point, everything that's going on. Uh, it could look like, you know, you uh, you just got to get in your car and you got to go for a quick drive and just put on some worship music and just worship Jesus and just, um, uh, like, that's what you need. It could look like uh, you, you literally have, like, you're at home with the kids and you literally have three minutes of quiet and silence between one kid screaming at another kid. <laughs> and you're like, Jesus, I need this. I just need to be with you right now. I just need this time to where... I can just, I need you to remind me of your love for me, that you see me, that you know me, you understand my situation, that you can just remind me that you got my kids, like you, like you, you're their ultimate dad, you're their ultimate parent, I can trust you with them. Like I just need you, I just need you to remind me of all of these things right now uh, and just be reminded of your presence with me um, right now, even if just for a minute. All of those things are what it looks like daily to slow down and spend time with him. And guys, like, you know, we've got this, uh, this COVID lockdown coming up here in the middle of this week. What an amazing opportunity. What an amazing opportunity to really take this time to slow down uh, and spend some time with him in like some new and fresh ways and see if we can make this more of a regular thing uh, to where this becomes much more of a daily thing. Because that's what happens. It's like as we spend time spend more time with him, just like any other relationship, any relationship with like a person, the more you spend time with that person, that relationship grows. It's just a natural byproduct. It's just what happens. And the same thing is true with Jesus. Like the more time you spend with him, your relationship with him grows. Let's really take this opportunity to, to, to do that. Because the big thing here, you guys, the big thing is that learning, um, learning to love the process more learning to really appreciate and even look forward to that middle ground and that middle space between things starting and when they're ending and all the challenges and everything that come, really learning to appreciate that time is, uh, is simply, it is not the end itself, it is simply a means to the end. To the end. And the end goal is this, that we, would, <laughs> that we would learn to love Jesus more, that we would grow in our relationship with him, that is the end goal in all of this. That's what, that's what we want more than anything. If you're a Christian here, that means you have a, the Holy Spirit inside of you. The Spirit of God himself dwells inside of you. That means that at the very core of your being, the core of who you are, the deepest desire is to be in deeper relationship with him. That's what you want more than anything. Is we want to know and experience the love of God more fully. Because... <laughs> If, you know, if you're a Christian here, then you've been touched by the love of God. And you know, when you were touched by the love of God, when you were filled with more of his love, it changes you. <laughs> you are not the same person. It changes you from the inside out. It makes you so much more patient, so much more loving, so much more caring, so much more understanding, have so much more grace, be, to be filled so much more with just his presence, his peace, be able to like stare fear in the face and be like, yeah, right now I'd be totally freaking out. But uh, actually, I'm actually filled with the love of God right now and the massive security that that brings. And I'm actually standing on a firm foundation and I'm not just trying to stand on my own. There's nothing, because there's nothing like the foundation that is Christ. There's nothing like that. And when I'm standing on the love of God, I'm able to stare fear in the face or you know, stress the situation in the face and say like, yeah, you're not gonna affect me nearly as much as you would otherwise. There's nothing like when you're filled with the love of God. There's nothing that, that can compare. <clears throat> And then I look, <laughs> and uh, 
and this is this is this process that we walk with him in that that love for him for him grows. And so take this back, I mean, to my, my little boy Dane, <laughs> and like the process that we are going through, and like the ups and downs, the successes and failures. Like every time that he puts his thumb up to his mouth, <laughs> and then you just you can just see that thought run through his head. Yeah, but Dad said, and he puts it back down. I'm like, yes. I'm not a complete failure as a father. And, uh, you know, or it's just like a total crash and burn failure where it's just like he just sticks his thumb directly in his mouth, stares me dead in the eyes, and you just know, you know what he's thinking. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? <laughs> or you can take it back to the disciples as well in the passage that we looked at. Like, man, they actually, the disciples actually learned to embrace Jesus' process for them and not just go, like, can you imagine if they had just gone off guns blazing and just like, yeah, Jesus ascended, boom, let's go, and start making disciples and all that. I'm sure they would have been affected. These are some, these are 12 pretty capable dudes. Like, they've been, they've been being discipled by Jesus personally for the previous three plus years. Like, I'm sure they would have seen the church grown and, and all that stuff. But what would have happened is that they would have burnt out and that's what happens when we are working under our own strength, under our own timeline, our own process. We eventually burn out. That is just a natural byproduct of the things. But when we choose to come into alignment, just as the disciples did, with his timeline and his process for us, the grace of God, the grace of God flows. It pours out onto us. It enables us not just to like accomplish the task that we, that we set out to do, but to, it, it's, it's like an abundance. It like overflows to even more than. Like you look what happened to the disciples. Because they trusted in his process, boom, Pentecost came, Spirit of God fell, one sermon, 5,000 people saved. Are you kidding me? Like that's kind of, those kind of things are what happen when we come into alignment with God's process for us. And so, Grace City, let's really take really take this opportunity this time to let Jesus be Lord of the process. Worship you guys can come on. Um, let's take this opportunity for Jesus to be Lord of the process. Uh, to slow down, spend time with him, watch as our relationship with him grows incrementally over time. And uh, as a result, Watch us be filled with more of his love and we can then pour that out into other people. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's pray real quick. Um, Father, <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for seeing us, for knowing us, for choosing us, for drawing us near, for pursuing us. God, thank you so much for, for rescuing us um, from... Um, so much for resting with us, God, for loving us, for filling us uh, with your presence. Uh, and thank you so much for the opportunity that we get to really slow down and spend time with you and allow you, Lord Jesus, to be to be truly the Lord of the of the of the process of our life. Um, because this is our heart's desire. This is what we want more than anything else. <laughs> want to trust in your process and in your waiting and in your timeline and all of that um, because we want more than anything else in the entire world to know you more. We know how much you love us because we read it in the scriptures how you, how you though you created us, you humbled yourself and became a small humble servant, entered into destitute poverty, suffered, tortured, were then, was then 
executed publicly in an excruciating, like, crucifixion-style death, all to show the extent of your love for us. God, we know how much you love us and how you pursue us daily, constantly. God, we just want to love you more in return. So, Father, we pray you would help us. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we pray you fill us afresh uh, with your love um, and that we would, uh, we would really draw us near to us in this, in this time. Um, help us to spend more time with you, Lord. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name.